0: Hello, I'm Rabbi Iggy, and welcome to Tattoos & Torah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tattoos & Torah. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rabbi Iggy, out of the Truva Center. Uh, We have a special guest today. I'm very excited for this conversation. Uh, Everybody, uh, welcome uh, Brandon Gruh.
1: Hmm. Thank you, Iggy. So Thank good you. to be here, brother. So good to Absolutely. see you. So, so good ec- to see you too. <laughs> so excited you, uh, to you share this can- space.
0: Absolutely. You guys can't see it because it's a podcast, but like Brandon is one of those people with like a sparkle in his eye. Mm. Even through the camera you
1: can see that. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I appreciate you.
0: So for those people who do not know the um the awesomeness that is Brandon Group, tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days. Um And then we'll sort of converse a little bit about your path.
1: Yeah, man. Um, So currently, I am a certified revelation breathwork facilitator and life coach. Um, I'm in the relationship space. Um, I specialize in helping people get back on their feet after a breakup. Super passionate about men's work. Um, Men's work is what originally got me into um, this work itself, um, which was a 12 week men's emotional awareness program through the unshakable man. Um, that was about a year and a half ago. And that was really like the catalyst to my journey of stepping into this work. Um, understanding that I have a passion of working with, with people, um, being in the hospitality industry since I was 16, um, working behind bars, making drinks as a, as a server bartender and, and really loved it. I loved every minute of it. It didn't feel like work to me to be able to show up and, and, um, you know, make sure that the guests had the most incredible experience they ever could. Um, so I, I'm super passionate about fine dining, spirits, wine, but it just never felt purposeful. Um, and now stepping into this work and, you know, being able to connect with people and, um, now it feels like I am able to combine a passion with, with a purpose and it feels like, uh, you know, it's exactly where I need to be on this journey right now.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. You, did you serve ice cream? Why did I see that right on LinkedIn? Were you like a, like an ice cream?
1: Never uh, ice cream. Not an ice cream? Okay. <laughs> but it sounds fun. Uh,
0: cause I guess there are, there's another Brandon grew who serves ice cream on LinkedIn. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: oh, that's too funny.
0: <laughs> um, so, um, so I guess sort of, you know, the, this relationship space, mm-hmm. right, which I think is, is, um, it's something that, um, so many people, especially sort of younger, but not just, but so many people, when they. Hit uh, snags in their relationships, or they don't know the kind of relationships they they should be investing in, or when they get their hearts broken, like you know, they don't. I mean, everybody goes, "Oh, I'll go to my best friend, or I'll go to my parents, or whatever." But like having somebody that is sort of dedicated to that is is quite the revelation, I think, for me at least. Sort of, I think it's quite the 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 space that is um, interesting because it's not exactly something I think I would go to a therapist mm. and and in a way, of course, right. So like my best friends or, or family, right. Their job is to, to take care, right. To sort of, to, to tell me that how great I am, <laughs> right. So few people, but presumably, right. The relationship also sort of has to keep you accountable and, and, and all that.
1: hundred percent. And I would say, you know, as I started working with a coach myself, you know, after discovering men's work, after discovering, the importance of connecting to my emotions, connecting with my feelings. Whereas in the past it was just littered with, with numbing them with, with partying with drugs and alcohol and, um, uh, you know, starting to get into adrenaline sports and, and using that as an outlet for escape as well. Um, and then working with, with my own coach one-on-one, that was like the spark of, of wanting to hold this space for someone else. I didn't know what, what that looked like. Um, for like my, my niche. Um, and it wasn't until I went through my own heartbreak, my own expired relationship, which was then that that catalyst to really wanting to, to create a space and hold a space for someone that is going through a breakup. Um, I find myself to be a confident person, um, at least in like who I am and what I feel like I offer to a potential partner. So I guess my last relationship was, it was the first time where I was actually the one being pushed, pushed away. Whereas in the past I was the avoidant one. I was the one self-sabotaging relationships. I was the one scared of, of deeper connection and then finding whatever way I could to pretty much sabotage that and end it, whether that was cheating or an infidelity or, um, creating stories in my head of why this person wasn't right. Um, and like the idea of like the grass is, is greener and thinking there was something better out there when really I had these incredible women, in, you know, right in front of me. And, um, I took that for granted. And then it wasn't until I was in a relationship where, um, I lost myself where I lost my, my identity, where I lost my authenticity, um, because I was being pushed away from this person and I had no idea how to process it. <laughs> I had no idea how to handle it. And I just became the anxious one. I became the one grasping and chasing and, and essentially just changing who I was to try and keep this person around. And then when it finally ended, I was like, well, shit. Now I I woke up every day, just like not knowing who I was or not feeling like worthy of love and not feeling enough. And it was the first time in my life that those emotions and ideas were coming up and it was a struggle. It was painful. Um, and at that same time, I was like, you know, getting into the coaching space and, um, working on through that, it was like the first time I I was, it was during snowboard season and I had, I had broken my rib. So not only did I like under and knowing and understanding the importance of sitting with your feelings and processing them, I had no choice. Like I was injured. I had to sit. I had to feel. I had to process. And that was a major revelation for me. And if I didn't have my own coach and if I didn't have these spaces, these spaces of, of my men's group, I don't know where I would be with, with moving through that and like pulling myself out. Um, so then I pretty much took all the things that I was learning um, when it becomes, when it comes to emotional awareness and intelligence and, connecting to that, um, to like create kind of like my own program of like moving through that and pulling myself out of like this idea of like swimming in my own shit, like every single day and, you know, getting back on my feet and building my confidence and working towards like finding an empowering meaning behind that relationship about what it was here to teach me, um, about what I like actually want and need from a partner, how to communicate that how to create boundaries, how to create non-negotiables. And now stepping back out into the dating world has been another incredible (laughs) new, new new experience. Um, (laughs) Cause I, cause I'll share like my dating history is like full blown, super intense, very quick, you know, moving in, fantasizing about marriages, talking about children's names,
0: my like, friend says and has a movie I about mean, it from zero to I love you.
1: From zero to I love you. That is that should be like tattooed on me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that from there to like one night stands and like nothing in between. Right. Nothing in between. So now like this this new world of like dating, especially like now, and this like dating in the digital age is is really? it's a whole new experience for me, and um, going about it with intention. Right. Going about it with this intention to like learn more about myself and to learn more about what I need. It's been fun. So,
0: so why do we do this to ourselves? right? what you're describing, which I think is so is so prevalent in a lot of different relationships, right? So, like, why do we why do we do this to ourselves, where we sort of lose ourselves to to whatever we think the relationship is, the be all and end all, the the changing ourselves, the the that moment will become. lack of a better term, needy or clingy or right. So like, or, or, or or unable to sort of, to, to let go. Um, why does that happen?
1: I mean, I'll speak from, from I here, like, you know, why that happened to me was that I was disconnected from myself. Hmm. I was disconnected from, from my own power, from my own, like, value and like what I brought to the table. And it was just like, this idea and this fear that like, if I lost this person, like, who am I now? Like, um, especially this relationship, it was, it was, I just moved to a new town. I didn't know that many people. So like this, this partner, uh, it was like, I had her. And then like I had our friend friend group and that was it. It was like, Whoa, shit. If I lose her, I lose all these people. I lose my identity is what I thought. Um, so I think it starts with being connected to self, being connected to who you are, what you offer um, to a deserving partner, um, and then within that partnership, creating this space of safety and communication where you can like be authentic, where you don't feel like you're walking on eggshells. Right. And in that space of walking on eggshells is where I feel like you lose your authenticity, and those eggshells and authenticity cannot coexist i feel like in a healthy relationship
0: right can you so so from your perspective does one need to like engage somebody like you like to have a, a relationship coach like ahead of time and then like figure out get okay, this wasn't not walking into a relationship can you do it while you're in a relationship do you do you do it after like at, at what point at I'm, what point does one oh, and also so like part, part two of that question like right as you are in a relationship, can you still grow and change mm. or right? Or it's just like, Oh, this is who I am. Take it or leave it.
1: Of course. I mean, I'm such a proponent for like the work as a whole, even like, uh, when I think of stepping into a, a relationship with a new partner, like what that will look like, like I want to go to couples therapy with them from the start, like to just create that space of communication, of safety, of, um, of connection. But yeah, I think the relationship coaching or this work, you know, is something people can tap into at all times. And and I, you know, I say I work with people that are moving through a breakup or to help them to get back on their feet after a breakup. But I work with people in relationships. Mm-hmm. I work with people that you know are struggling to keep a marriage alive. You know, and and working how do you, on tools how you navigate that.
0: Like how do you navigate the the support of the person versus presumably, right. So like not sort of like advice giving, right. So like, right. Cause I think, right. There's a tension there between this, right. I I guess what I'm asking is, especially in relationship, which I find, which which I find fascinating, right. The, The tension between how do I build up a person? How do I support them? And then, um, on the other hand, how not to sort of like create these sort of, you know, the rules, right? Yeah. Do this. You'll get this many phone numbers. Do like, <laughs> right, like, like, right. Don't say this. Don't say that. Dress like this. Dress, you know, like.
1: It's almost this idea of like sell them what they want, but give them what they need. Right. If, like, if you're good.
0: If you could, Yes. If you can.
1: Yeah. And uh, for a lot of people, I think that are healing through a breakup, some people are just like, I'm completely over men. I'm completely over women. Like, I don't want anything to do with them. I just want to do some work on myself. Or they're like, I'm ready to get back out there. I want to get under someone to get over someone. And it's like, at the end of the the day, no matter what, not in my eyes, it's like, it's teaching people to slow down.
0: Hmm.
1: It's teaching people to be present. It's teaching people to connect with their emotions, to become emotionally intelligent, especially working with men. I mean, that is like the number one thing. It's like, especially in my, my, my eight week program, the first couple of weeks is, like I said, like creating that, those empowering meanings behind why the relationship didn't work, You know, doing some work with childhood patterns and belief systems and how they show up in, in intimate relationships as an adult. But then it, the, the switch just flips and, and it's all back onto them. It's all building themselves up and teaching them techniques on how to slow down, on how to connect with their breath Throughout the day, to be more present, to be more aware, to be more conscious, to be more connected, and, and what that looks like um, from a state of of being like this—this—this this, this conscious
0: being—is—is okay. so—is that the. Um... Is the preferred state of where we are? I think, right, as men or as as people, is is it in the in the slow down, in the breath, in the awareness, right? Uh, and what's its relationship to like go get it, right? And and hunt, and you know, and 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 provide, and be strong, and and you know, like where where does that where does that live, right? Because too much of either way. I feel will create a, we create an imbalance that's sort of where kind of where we are. Right. So you either have then the go, go, go get, get, get kind of a person. Right. And on the other hand, you could also have somebody just like sitting there and breathing and being aware, but just sitting there.
1: Yeah. And I think, and I think I do a great job of that as like a space holder and, and like coaches, like recognizing where you're at and meeting you where you're at. So if you are like hyper-masculine and like, all you know is the gym and all you know is like talking about like women as notches on your belt. Like, then it's like, okay, well it's, it's clear what we need to work on. It's clear that we need to, you know, slow down a little bit and get in touch with your emotions and really like create a new definition of of intimacy. If that's what you're looking for um, in a partner. And um, I think that has been my own personal work of like, how do I want to be perceived and, and, I think because we've talked about this, like just me, like skydiving and me, like into downhill mountain bike, these the more like adrenaline-filled, masculine type activities, and then also being able to be in touch with my emotions, and and how that balance has been really powerful and impactful for myself, um, for how I show up for me, and for how I show up within partnerships.
0: From so from your experience. Why do we have such difficulty again, right? Like, so like as men to express our emotions, to, to slow down, right? Why, why do we sort of like. Cause society's
1: oh. told us our whole, whole life not to, to suck it up, to man up, to, to not express your emotion, to not cry, to, um, and, and, and it's, it's pain. Like I get tight as I even like express that, um, Like I start to sweat and it's just like shit. Like the idea of not being able to express myself and I've always been, I feel like okay with it. Just how how I was raised by my family, by my parents. And um, I think that's been a gift for me to be able to um, create that space for others to like open up, to feel like they can be seen, to feel like they can be heard, to feel like it's okay to cry. And that's where, that's where like breathwork comes in for me, um, you know, being a nurse,matic breathwork facilitator and using that as a tool to crack people wide open.
0: So, so tell me a little bit more about that, right? About sort of like the, the role of breathwork in sort of in, in your work and in this work. So when you say crack them open,
1: wh- what do you mean? <clears throat> so I first discovered breathwork when I was backpacking through Mexico. Um, I was down there to paraglide and to just, to just explore and the synchronicity of of finding this retreat center was crazy because I was supposed to be well, there. If
0: people, right. If people have not figured this out yet, sort of like if it doesn't, if it has no a potential of killing you or maiming you seriously, Brandon that doesn't do it. But so, <laughs> just to make that clear,
1: it's so funny too. Like how I used how I used to use like these sports as like an escape, and now it's like skydiving, paragliding. Like that's how I, when I feel like everything else slows down and I'm like more connected with myself mm-hmm. rather than being disconnected of how I like used to feel like I would use it.
0: Right. Same thing, just a different person anyway, but I cut you off. So, yep. so, so you you went to Mexico. So I was
1: down in Mexico and I was supposed to, to end up in this little cove beach town called Yalapa just south of Puerto Varita, about a month before I actually got there and there was a huge storm. I couldn't access the cove by boat. Um, so I went and traveled, left my paragliding gear at this amazing woman's house, um, who I stayed with through Airbnb and then traveled around a month later, came back, picked up my gear and four days before I was getting to this, um, town, my best friend passed away from sleep apnea 10 days before his 29th birthday. Um, so it was, it was incredibly difficult to process while I was traveling, while I was in a foreign country, while I was on my own. So I booked a a spot at this. It was just advertised as like a beachside bungalow and it was 40 bucks a night. I was like, Oh, perfect. I'm gonna ball out after spending seven, $8 a night in hostels for the last month. And I show up and it turns out it's like a retreat center for PTSD, depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm. juice, cleansing, eating vegan. There's meditation, yoga, breathwork, facilitation, and There happened to be a breathwork facilitator training course going on for two weeks. And I got to know the facilitator over after a couple of days, told her what I was going through. And she was like, you got to try this breathwork journey. Like it will be amazing for processing this grief. And I was like, great. I don't care what it costs. Here's my card. Let's do it. And obviously I was in an extremely open, vulnerable state at the time. And this journey was life-changing, you know, it was an insane roller coaster ride of hysterical crying to hysterical, uncontrollable laughter, like some kind of psychedelic journey and experience. And I got out of it and, and it felt like I had worked through pretty much the entire grieving process in one hour, and I was mind-blown. I, right after that, I went back to my, my room. I journaled for hours. I wrote this. I don't find myself to be like that creative in the sense of, of art and and wordsmithing. I wrote this insane poem about him that I ended up reading at his, his celebration of life. And it just like, I was like, what just happened? And I've never done ayahuasca, but people were like, Oh yeah, you can have the, the same kind of things can happen. The, the releasings, the letting goes and, and the, the opening up and re- receiving messages in, in different ways. And um, I was like, man, this is something special. I want to learn more about this. So over the next six months, I dove into it, you know, researching online, reading books. And then when I joined the Unshakable Man, Chris Wilson was facilitating the same kind of breathwork every Sunday. And it became like my church. I was living in the van at the time. And um, it was like, no matter what I was doing on Sunday, I had to have four bars of service on my phone. So my hotspot worked so I could go on these breathwork journeys and I would get in my, get in my 15 degree sleeping bag, put the hood up, put my eye mask on. And I would just like journey into another world. And it was amazing. You know, breathwork is an opportunity to tap into places in the mind and body where we store trauma, where we store stress, anxiety, fears, worries, doubts about ourselves. That cannot be accessed all the time, like through traditional, you know, speech, cognitive therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, so the science behind it is this, like the, the, the technique that I use is this like ancient two-step inhale, one-step exhale. And once you can find this rhythm and flow of the breath, it kind of like shuts off the ego. Mm-hmm. And, and we're able to show up such in a way that is just like so authentic It's so accepting. I feel like I'm being so received like as just who I am in, during those journeys. Um, so that led me to becoming a, a getting my own certification um, as a quote unquote revelation breathwork facilitator. And, you know, now using breathwork as part of my own coaching program as part of my own, you know, number one healing modality. Mm-hmm. And now we're doing workshops, combining yoga and breath work. And about a month ago we did an 80 person, um, in-person yoga breath work mm-hmm. workshop, which was just so incredible, so powerful. And, um, the response from the community was insane. Just, you know, people coming up and just like, that was life changing. And it's so touching to be a part of that journey and that experience. And, to be able to share the power of it because a lot of people don't know about it.
0: Right. It sounds from your story, right? there's a lot of these sort of like veers that sort of it somehow the, the universe, the powers that be whatever kind of puts you in, in a path in your life. Do you, do you recognize it? Do you, or, or do you just think you're lucky? Like
1: um, where, where, does,
0: where does that for kind of fall into sort of like the way you construct your life and narrative?
1: I appreciate it for sure. And I'm definitely aware of it. Um, but I think that awareness has come, you know, over time and, and with work. Um, and for me, COVID, I feel like was a major blessing for myself. Um, mm-hmm. I worked in Vail, Colorado for six years and um, thought I had this like amazing job. It it was amazing. I thought I had made it. You know, I was the beverage director at a fine dining restaurant, working seven months out of the year, making insane money, getting to travel the world for five months out of the year is incredible. And then with COVID, the restaurant closed. With COVID, I, I bought a van, moved into it, went on this road trip, ended up here in Whitefish, Montana. Like, and I feel like, because of, I feel like I'm just very open to like trusting the universe and like trusting that it's going to work. Trusting myself has been a huge part of my life, you know, leaving Delaware, moving to Colorado and just like going with the flow and trusting my intuition, um, listening to my gut, um, and recognizing when fears come up and telling me not to do something and then really being able to, to to sit and be like, all right, is this a fear that's, that's actually like there to protect me? Or is it just like this fantasized, you know, I use the acronym fantasized experiences appearing real. Like, or am I just like creating the story of like why I shouldn't do it. And I, and I, and I just do it.
0: <laughs> so how can you tell, how can you tell for yourself? How, how can you tell? like, is this a fear that says don't do it? Or is this a fear that says like, no, I need to do it because X, Y, Z.
1: Um, I think having to like sit with it and, and, and actually like process it. I, I do a lot of just like journaling and, and being able to get my thoughts down and seeing them on paper is huge. So like every single day I do fear journaling. Every single day I do gratitude journaling. And like so seeing these fears as I write them out, I'm like, man, that's not really a fear. That's just like a story that's attached to you know, being abandoned in a relationship or whatever it looks like. Um, But I understand like the importance of of pushing past fears, even if they are like a fear that is something that like could harm you physically, like extreme sports. Mm -hmm. And understanding that like what's on the other side of that like means more to me. And being able to connect with myself in a way that that I can't in any other way. Like when I leave the plane, like that moment, nothing else matters. And that isn't, an, that is a feeling. That is an experience that I can't put words to. And it's, it is like borderline addicting. Oh um, well, Yeah. Yeah.
0: But in that, in that moment, so, so I've done some, um, uh, parachuting, um, Um, mostly in the in the uh, military space but uh that's a different that's a different (laughs) conversation um it is the ultimate well not the ultimate but it is one of these ultimate complete let go of of any kind of control because in that moment you really have no control i mean you have some control but like like right it is the ultimate sort of fear in terms of I'm, I'm right hurling down towards the earth, right? Whose gravity is stronger than you. You have to trust that you've done well, that you've packed this parachute well, right? There's a, there's a trust there that sort of, that is incredibly hard to get in any other situation.
1: Boom. And you nailed it with, with trust. Like the way that I feel like I could trust myself in, in, the, in those activities and those sports, I feel like translates to the trust when it comes to, decision-making outside like in everyday life, how I make my decisions, how I make my choices, how I choose who I want to surround myself with. Like those are all because like I trust myself Mm. and um, yeah, like, like the idea of, of letting go of control when you, when you step out of that plane, like you're, you're in it, but it's, it's everything that you did to work up to that point. You know, the way you packed your parachute, the way that you, the lessons you learn with going through your certifications and right,
0: yeah. And, I mean, once you jump, it's over. I mean, it's everything up to that moment. Once you jump, there's no more to do.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> at remembering the pool.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, so, in that sense, sort of as you as you are, um, are you? Do you walk around in the world thinking? I'm going to be okay.
1: Mm. I mean, I think I wake up like every day like knowing I am okay. Like, and if I'm not okay, like knowing it's okay to not be okay too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, with whatever that looks like. That's with what's going on in my life. Um But yeah, I mean, like getting like stepping into this business as like stepping into the space as a business, you know, as a as a full time coach. Um, As I started coaching, I was still working behind the bar four to five nights a week. And I realized that working till 1 a.m. and probably having a few drinks at work, probably having a few drinks after work was not conducive to how I want to show up in this coaching space. And one day I was just like, you know what, if I don't sign a single client in the next four months, financially, I'm going to be okay. But in order for me to to make this happen, I have to to choose to to fully do it, to go for it. So I put in my two weeks at the restaurant. And two weeks after my last day of work, I signed my first client. And through there, it's just been... I feel really fortunate um, to have some friends and, and people that have helped move me forward faster based on some virtual wellness programs that I work for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The Unshakable Man, the Tat Lab, which is another virtual wellness community. Um, mm-hmm. and, and these spaces are where I do breath, group breathworks and group men's groups. And um, it's also like funnels for one-on-one clients.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, in, the, in those two weeks, right between the job and the first client, there must have been moments where you said to yourself, "Like, shit, what have I done?" <laughs> right? So what What do you say to yourself then? Like, wh- how do you? Because I think we all have them. right? we all have those moments of like, "Okay, I'm going to do it," and then you like, "Shit!" I mean, like this was this was really stupid. Iggy. Yeah. Sort of like,
1: I think knowing that at the end of the day. I knew I had that job if I wanted it back when I, when I put my two weeks and I told them what I was doing, I was like, Hey, I'm starting this business venture. Um, you know, I would love the opportunity to even like pick up a shift if I need some money. And they were like, great. Like you're welcome to do that. So knowing that I kind of had a backup plan, um, but really like trusting that I was going to do it. Like I was like, this is it. My, my mom owns her own business. I never saw myself as an entrepreneur myself. Um, in any way. I actually love having like, not a superior, but like, I love um, like getting shit done and like, Mm -hmm. being rewarded for it. And, you know, not letting someone else down. And then it was like, well, I just had to reframe that to like, I'm not going to let myself down. Because there are other there's like, And during this, during this time I had a, I was in like a coaching program. So I had like a a business coach that was like pushing me to make this happen. And he just kept telling me like, you have a gift. Mm. If you don't step into this work, you are doing people a disservice. Like people Mm. need you. And if, if, if you don't do like, you're letting them down and you're letting yourself down. So do it. Gilt.
0: That's a that's a powerful motivator. It was Gilt.
1: powerful. Like, I was like, "Shit!" Like, a rabbi, I feel like you know, good
0: job, coach. Like you know, are you not going to give them this gift of you?
1: That's what I'm. That was firing me up. So I would wake up and I'm like, "Man, like," and and it, it went back to it. Just kept going back to my own story of being like, "No, I had these people in my life that like helped me through what what I see is like a, an extremely tough time in my life."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, before I, I got into any of this work, when a relationship would end, I would never process it. I would never think about what my part was mm-hmm. and what my responsibility was for, for why this relationship didn't work out. It was blame, resentment, let's go party, let's meet someone else. Right. And Avoidance. And, Avoidance, and, jumping right. and, from and lily it, but, pad to lily pad and, and thinking like that felt good. And so I'm so thankful and so grateful to have gone through that, that relationship and what that looked like. And, you know, looking back how tough it was of, but it's, it's, it was a gift. It was Mm -hmm. truly a gift.
0: It, you know, it's, 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 it's really amazing sort of hearing you talk and, and, and right. And we've known each other for a little while and, and and the grounding that you provide right both for for others and of course for yourself right and and one of the reasons i find us fascinating because right we talked that sort of you for the majority of the year you live in a van <laughs> right you you in many ways reject this sort of right So sort of like brick and mortar lifestyle um and and the challenges of that so in, like how are they related or, or are they related?
1: I will say that, like I heard you mention, mention grounding in there. And, and when I do live in the van, I have to be hyper aware of creating space and time for myself to ground. Right. Because if I'm bouncing around, like, you know, I can move fast and my life has been fast. It's always been fast. It's always been go, go, go. It's always been yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um which I'm still learning to, to navigate and recognizing and understanding like how important it is as like wanting to show up as a conscious man, that a conscious man is not a yes man. A conscious man understands the power of no. And, um, but, but yeah, I would say yes to everything and, you know, because of people pleasing, because of not wanting to, to disappoint because of fear of how they would respond. If, if I said no to, to whatever this, this invitation was, Um, but yeah, my, I've always been adventurous. Like I've always been open to traveling and exploring and and the van life has always been a, a goal and a dream of mine. And the first step to that was living in a camper for a year. So I lived in the camper in Vail and in dead of winter had a wood burning stove. It was one of the most humbling experiences of my life. I will never, ever forget this one, like super vivid moment of it being like single digits. And I was walking home from the gym. There's like a gym in our neighborhood where I parked the, the, the camper and I knew I was coming back to a van that was freezing cold that I hadn't been in all day that I would need to stoke a fire for at least an hour and a half, two hours to feel comfortable enough to go to bed. And I'm walking down the street and I just like look up and this is in Vale, So all the houses are right. insane. And all the window you can see like through all the windows and it's just like this family, they're all in t-shirts and sweats and it just looks so comfortable and cozy. And I just remember stopping and looking up, looking up and I'm like, man, I have never acknowledged like how powerful it is to like, and what a gift it is to be in a home and like have warmth. And that was like such a humbling experience for me. And it's And that's why i love like the simplicity though of like living in a van like i don't need that to be happy and what does make me happy is being able to to hit the road whenever i want um Mm -hmm. and i think that's you know getting into this work and working virtually and you know i think covid had a lot to do with that and like creating these opportunities to work with people from all over the world world via zoom or by a phone call um through coaching like fits perfectly with my Mm -hmm. lifestyle and what I right. like to do. Right. And right. it's it's funny, like, even I was on a I was down in San Diego with the van. And I was, you know, on the road trip back coming back to move in to my house for in November for the winter. And I had so much anxiety. Like, I was mm. like, "Whoa!" like, I'm excited for winter. I'm excited to be back in Montana for the season. But like, I'm about to give up this freedom.
0: Mm.
1: and And like, I'm committing to being in a in one place for the next six months. And like, that was that made me tight, right. <laughs> it made me anxious. And, um, and it's gonna be back. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I do look forward to when I can be back in the vein. How do you deal with
0: societal norms mm. around this? Right? Because I think for a lot of our listeners, right? Because we, we we deal primarily with people sort of like right who are in recovery and stuff like that. But sort of like right, in how people perceive us, society, society norms is, is a huge factor constantly, right? So like, so here you are, right? You are, you are smart, you are capable, you're intelligent, you're handsome. Right? So like you, right? You're right. You're, you're meeting people. You're doing this thing. Oh great! You know, where, you know where do you live? Uh, well, you know, yeah, down down the street, right there. That's <laughs> like, how do you right? Or, or even we talk about right? We talk about women, presumably, right? So, like, in the sense of like, like, hey, my place or yours, and you're like, well, actually, <laughs> we're like, what's wrong with him?
1: Yeah, um, I think I've just been like not following societal norms ever since I graduated college, um, in the sense that like. I graduated with a hospitality management degree. So like parents, super supportive, but like my my dad, like, as soon as I graduated, was just like, wait, what you're working in a a restaurant, like as a server or like a food runner, like you should be managing that place. You should be working your way up in a, in a hotel and hospitality chain and working your way to the top and like understanding that that's because like, that's how, that's how he was raised. And that's what he was taught. And, but that doesn't like, that's st- wasn't fulfilling for, for me. Fulfillment for me was like being able to work four days in a restaurant and then have three days off and go snowboard for those three days in a row and um, go stay in my buddy's van that was living in the parking lot of the ski resort and crash there for the night. And that's like what filled my cup up. That was like my nectar that I was seeking every single day that I could. Um, I think I will say that like, I think it's more accepted in a way these days in terms of like van life. It's, it's becoming pretty popular. And um, I think too, with COVID, it's like blown up a bit where people mm-hmm. can, people can hit the road and and, and work remotely now. And, um, and I don't want to live in a van forever. That's for sure. But.
0: Is it? It doesn't
1: sound like <laughs> it. I know I always want to own a van. I all, I know that I always want to have that, possibility possibility for sure 100 no doubt non-negotiable and that's like and then you know i'm also creating like non-negotiables for a potential partner right like not Sorry. everyone's going to want to date someone that lives in a van and i understand that and i understand that that like can be restrictive for certain people and for certain opportunities um but again like after what i've gone through like i'm not willing to to change who I am for someone else. And like, this is me, like, take it or leave it. Like, I know what it feels like to lose myself. I know it's at stake to lose my authenticity, and it's not going to happen again. And that's like what I try to preach as as a coach, like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, I'm, I'm not for everyone, but and, and everyone's not for me. And, and like, same for a potential partner, like, and that's okay. Right? Like,
0: how, yeah. I mean, how do you, so I love that. And of course I'm, I'm all for it, but I think so many people would hear you or right. And, and be like, how do I get like that? Right. How do I get there? Ooh. Right. How do I get to a place where I'm like, this is I'm enough. Right. Cause what I'm hearing from you is I'm enough. I'm enough the way I am. I've worked the way I am. This is right. This may seem weird to you, whatever, but this is where I'm and I don't want to do this. Right. And yet it doesn't come off as sort of like, you know, like whatever, this is why I am. You know, deal with it. So, how do we help people feel that they're enough? Because many people, I think, who 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 unfortunately deal with addiction, it comes from a place where they don't feel they're enough, where they don't feel they matter, where they feel that something is broken with them.
1: I, I mean, I for me, like it, this, it's just still an everyday process. It's still an everyday journey to like trust that I am enough, like. And some days I I don't feel like I'm enough. Some days I don't feel like I'm giving enough effort to my business. Some days I don't feel like I'm giving enough effort to myself. Some days I feel like I'm not enough. I'm not showing up enough for my friends, for my family. Um, So it's an everyday battle for for me still. Um, But I think it starts with like trusting yourself. And I think that's something that like needs to be worked towards, but it's like, you know, I see it in my friend group from like back home. Sometimes they're like, well, I just don't get how like you can do that. And like they have jobs that they hate or like they're in relationships that they hate. And I just understand like this complacency, I feel like of like stuckness that people can get into. And then It's this cycle because that stuckness like feels normal. Like waking up every day and like having these shitty negative thoughts, like about not feeling enough. Like if you wake up and you think that every single day, like that's going to feel normal. Right. So it's, it's takes this ability to recognize like,
0: how do you break that?
1: Unfortunately, I think a lot of it is like rock bottom. Like for, for some people is like, there needs to if you're not aware of it or if you don't have someone in your life that's there to support you and tell you and be honest with you like there's there's got to be some kind of like catalyst that is like a wake up call and if that doesn't happen then you know asking yourself every day like am i showing up the way that i that i want to like am i living the life that that i that i dream of that i can be proud of
0: but someone might say like no i don't but I don't know how to change
1: that. Hmm. I mean, what what changed it for me was, was these groups, was these spaces, was men's work. And, and I don't know where I'd be without that. I've always been, feel like I've been blessed with having friends in my life, having a lot of friends, having a lot of people that cared about me. But they've always been relationships that I feel like I really couldn't talk about everything that like I was going through or what I was feeling because I had to hold up this like certain persona of like being tough or masculine or like being able to process it or. And and it wasn't until I have, I had a female friend, one of my best friends in the whole world who was like, who I told everything to who I confided in. And she knew that like she was the only person that I was really telling this stuff to, and I wasn't telling it to my male friends. And she was the one that pushed me to men's men's work. Mm-hmm. And it started with with every man. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how yeah. I found
0: it. Both Chris Wilson and uh Mike Sagunda have both been on this podcast. Oh, you uh, know. I didn't know yeah. Mike
1: too. Yeah. So yeah, th- like God, God bless them both. And like still um, obviously work with the unshakable man, and I'm a right. facilitator and, and men's coach for them. And Mike Sagoon, great friend. Um, and and when they kind of branched off from every man to, to do the unshakable man during COVID, like that was my, that's what changed my life. And I owe it to that program, to that, to that group, to that community. Um, and I, and that's like what I want to build. That's what I'm building is like a community is, is spaces for men to, to, to show up and to be seen and to be held to be held into in, in who they are and what they're struggling with and what they're celebrating too. Right. Um, so for anyone listening, like if you do feel like you're struggling, there are outlets mm-hmm. like, but it, it takes work and it takes acceptance of understanding where you're at and, and feeling it and feeling how shitty it might feel like. And knowing that like, this isn't a place that I want to be three months from now. Right. This no, I mean, I,
0: I mean, I think what, one of the interesting things about what you're saying is is always sort of like as it comes up in these conversations that I that I have with people, is that right the 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 source of all good or the source of all healing comes from connection, mm. right? So that when you find the group or find men or start joining a group or when you start create creating connections that is the key to it all right so like for us in my world we talk about sort of the opposite of addiction is
1: connection Mm. you know for sure and that that lands deeply like i felt that and the power of of connection of intimate connection whether that's like intimate partnership or like intimate friendship like it doesn't matter it just and it but that is where like the true work i feel like is done right and knowing that like maybe i'm not ready for a relationship right now but just like the the work that can be done while dating like right. same thing like practicing what i'm learning practicing vulnerability practicing right. transparency and that that's all is is happening through connection
0: yeah no and, and look i th- i think for all of us right there is there's a few sort of base principles sort of, of, of of our, of my theology, if you call it right. Um, Connection is, is one of them. Um, The other one is, is a both and, right. You can be, you can want a relationship and still not be ready. Right. So the world is not binary. The entire world is almost completely a both and right. No feeling, no emotion, no space is one thing or another. Right? You can be both grateful and resentful at the same time. You can both be sad and, and relieved at the same time. Right? So Anxious no, and confident. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? It is when we start to try and lie to ourselves and saying that we need to be one thing. Right now, I need to be grieving. Right now, I need to be happy. Right now, I need to be proud. That's when you start diminishing yourself. Because as humans, we are so many things at the same time.
1: So many things. And I think, I think what I struggled with in the past is like the need to not, or the want the to need to not feel a certain way mm-hmm. and how I used to just like numb that. And it was just like the idea that it was wrong or bad to feel sad or wrong mm-hmm. or bad to feel anxious, or wrong or bad to like feel this pain and wanting to change it rather than like sitting with it and processing it. And like, you know, I heard this first out of Mike Sagoon's mouth, you gotta feel it to heal it. Right. And like that's what I preach all the time. Like, feel that shit. What like what's there? Where do you feel it in your body? Um, and, and asking yourself, like, what is it here to teach me? When I ask myself that the the ease and release of tension from my chest is instant. What is this here to teach me? And it's just mm-hmm. like taking a breath into it. Ooh, like that feels that feels okay it's like, yeah. okay that this anxiety's here. Like, what are you here to teach me? And I name it. My anxiety's name is Thad. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Thad came to me during a meditation, and Thad for me was like this super douchey, like, bro right, fr- broey, like frat guy. And it's so exactly, funny. It's exactly. So funny. I, I was in a fraternity in college. <laughs> Believe it or not
0: back in you know, a baseball cap backwards
1: so that so that is my fad so like before when and then when i started like doing this work and i'm like trying to work on processing anxiety once i named it and fad was here it was immediately like okay well i don't want fad to be here how do i push that away and then it was like oh no like a little bit more work okay so what is thad here to teach me and then i had a visualization during a meditation that i was at a frat party Mm-hmm. And Thad was there. And before I would want to run from Thad, before I would want to be in another room from Thad, before I would want to leave the party when Thad was there. Now I had this visualization that I was pouring Thad a beer from the keg. And that it was just like, I was shaking hands with Thad. Like, it's just like, oh, it's okay. Like, we can coexist together.
0: Thad has a mother too.
1: Thad (laughs) Thad has a mother too. Man, I feel like I just got a lot closer to Thad. Yeah. Mm.
0: We are, I often talk about, again, switching our point of view from why is this happening to me to why is this happening for me? Which is very similar to your articulation of what what is it here to teach me
1: Mm -hmm. and when you have that idea of like why is it happening to me it's immediately you go into this victim mode that's right of of why 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 can't i catch a break why is this happening to me and
0: i have no control this is all
1: control fault blame resentment shame right right yeah,
0: and then and then the and then right and then and then the the toxic like, well, shake it off, fight it, you know, like you know, numb it, right? drink it numb out, it, feel it exactly, you know, and, and right from your story as well, right? Like if you put it, if you push enough adrenaline on it, it will go away.
1: At least for the time that you're downhill mountain biking for that ten minutes that it takes to get down to the hill, you won't think about it.
0: Absolutely no, bet, absolutely. I I was, as soon as you put your bike
1: away, it's still there.
0: I was once. Um, um, this is this is previous years when I could actually still do these things. I went bike. I went down a mountain uh, in a bike, and there was a mountain lion. Oh and they were I've never felt more alive. Mm. Like I was probably one of one of the closest time to actually being properly in danger, and I've never felt more alive. And I'm like, this is this is absurd.
1: But I Hell think, yeah. right, that,
0: that's that's what it gives you, right? Sort of you, right? Yeah. You try yeah. and chase the experience, but that is addiction. You try and chase the high.
1: hmm And that's that's like, and I knew that's what that, that addiction was for me at a time. Mm-hmm. At that time was like, I was chasing a high to numb and to escape. Right. Whereas now, like, I still chase the high, but it's to, to connect deeper with myself.
0: Right. Well, you choose it in a different way.
1: hmm and that feels powerful. Right. Well you allow I
0: think right because you're allowing yourself to feel it, right? Again, mm. we're allowing we're creating a space for that feeling.
1: A healthy space.
0: Yeah. It's it's funny because right, we talk about breath. Um a lot of people think this sort of right, the sort of that breath happens when you take the breath in. You know? Um, but physiologically right it's actually the opposite the breath happens because we push the breath out
1: Ooh.
0: right the breath in is is a result of the tension that we have to create to create the space for for everything else and and from hearing you talk about sort of like the your experiences right so like the the ability to to create the space has to become possible when we are pushing the tensions out when we are leaning into the tensions when you are leaning into the fear the pain
1: yeah and i and i and like the the breath like as you're talking about that what was coming to mind for me like just how the breath is like the space needed for like growth for response first first reaction and it's been something that I've through through some things that I've learned through the unshakable man, these like breath portal habits mm-hmm. where you attach breaths to things, to anchors that you already do every single day and how that chemically changes the nervous system mm-hmm. for, it to, for it to slow down. You know, like my first breath portal habit of the day is when my feet hit the ground, mm-hmm. no matter what time of the day I get up, I know my feet are going to hit the ground. So when they hit the ground, I take three deep breaths in and out. And I celebrate it by saying, today's going to be an awesome fucking day. And that's right. like my first habit. My next, my next anchor is when I close my contact lens case. Right. And then you do that for a couple of weeks. The next thing you know, you're walking down the aisle of the grocery store, just right. taking deep breaths and just like slowing down and becoming aware and becoming present and creating space for response. Yeah.
0: In, in our tradition and in my habit, but the first thing we do when we wake up is there's a gratitude prayer. That basically means, thank you for giving me one more day. Hmm. Or I'm thankful to have one more day to do the things I need to do.
1: What an immediate mindset shift, like, to start your day right. that way. Right. So my favorite powerful. Thing, yeah.
0: My favorite thing is is the this, this diary, this journal from uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin. And it's got, like, many, many pages. But every page is one question on it. And it says... What good shall I do today? Mm. You know, for me the gratitude part is a huge element because if I if I recognize right this sort of that when we wake up it is an opportunity for one more day to do something, then that is a renewable energy every
1: day. Every day. And I think like something that's been coming to mind recently um, has been like this idea of, of it's one more day, like for me, but it's also one more day for me to be impactful in someone else's life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was gifted this, this from a friend after a breathwork ceremony that I did with with him. And, you know, he kind of told me a lot about like what came up for him, but the message that he received that was meant that he was meant to, to share with me, that breathwork journey was to go be a lighthouse. Mm-hmm. He said, go shine so bright that you remind others that you give others permission to shine just as bright. Mm-hmm. And that's something that stuck with me. You know, this was in August. So like every single day I like wake up and I'm like, okay, like, how can I shine? How can I remind others that they too can shine? And mm-hmm. and whether that, and that idea is something that like I, now I take into to dating, something that I I share with my clients too. Like there's so many fears that come along with, with going on first dates and getting back out into the dating world, especially after some kind of toxic, traumatic, expired relationship. And it's this idea of like letting go of those expectations of what it should look like about how you should show up about what, what you have to say to this person on this first date. But like, man, maybe you're giving them a renewed, energy that like it was safe for them to to date again because they're probably struggling with some fears behind it too so like probably for sure we all do right like this is the human condition when i when i ask a group of people like type in the chat box like dating for me is scary terrifying like miserable hectic what like so to, to go into it with this more this 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 ease of of expectations and allowing yourself to to show up like in a way that's that's not only like this experience is for you but like what you sh- can be providing to someone else just through that connection. Yeah,
0: that's the connection. That's it. You know, it's funny because relationships Um, whether it is romantic or work or or the kind of relationships that we we create for people who are in recovery for me has um, two factors that um, inform all of it, which is very similar to relationships. And those are time and love. If you give enough time and love to a person, that can pretty much heal all ailments. Persistency of time, of being there, of showing up, and love, acceptance. If you give that enough.
1: That is love, radical acceptance. That's right. Whew, I'm feeling filled up right now, Iggy. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm feeling, I same it's it's you know just like this conversation and so it's inspiring to like want to like go out and like share that love and like be love and and you are and
0: you are doing it and that's one of the amazing things about it and you know I will amend my response to your to your friend who 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 puts you as a lighthouse I for me you are the light mm. You're not the lighthouse you are <laughs> the light And as such, you are both wave and particle, you are boundless, right? And the beauty thing about light many times is if we look up in the sky, right, and the stars, we see the light, but the stars might have been completely gone by now, but the light (laughs) is still there.
1: The light is still there. And that's that's it, it's like... How can how can I how can we how can we bring that light out in more people?
0: That's right. And how can we create enough light so that it would stay?
1: Mm. And I think it's like that's that's what it is. Is like build is like building this like tr- these tribes, these communities of of people that that you're given permission to 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 be the light and to 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 shine for others. And then we shine as a community right. in unity right. as as one.
0: And then right with time and love, we're better. Mm-hmm.
1: Hopefully the world is too. <laughs> yeah. Final thoughts, Brandon? Mm. Man, I'm just feeling an overwhelming sense of gratitude for this conversation. And my, like, if I'm were to check in right now, I'm just like, uh, mm-hmm. my 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 body's tingling. I'm feeling feeling a lot of heat in my face, a lot of openness in my heart. And um Emotionally feeling feeling overwhelmed with, with with joy and and compassion and and light. Thank you, Iggy. Thank you for having me. Um, Thank you. It's been an honor. It's an Honor to share the space. Honor to to reconnect and looking forward to continuing. Um, to, to the, just the appreciation I have to know you and to be a, a part of in, in each other's lives moving forward.
0: Absolutely, and we should have some more for people who want to find you or find your work or find your coaching work. Where should they go?
1: Yeah, right now I'm on, on Instagram at um, Brandon grew um, currently working on building a website. I just uh, got off a, a call earlier, a uh, close friend of mine and I who are who we do the the workshops with the yoga and, and breath work. We're creating a new business that we just started breathe flow and let go. Fantastic. So um, the idea is like kind of traveling around to different events and and hosting these two hour workshops, um, providing movement and, and breath work and community and Connection,
0: fantastic, excellent. So, yeah. So, if you want to find Brandon, that's where uh, you should. unshakable Man, where you lead the groups there as well.
1: Unshakable uh, Man. I'm a part of a virtual wellness platform called the Tat Lab, T A T L A B. Um, that was created by John Kim. He's known as the Angry Therapist on, on yeah. Instagram and social media. Amazing, amazing guy, amazing mentor. Um, I actually got to have dinner with him uh, just a couple of weeks ago when I was down in LA. Korean barbecue. John, nice. you ever listen to this? Thank you for that meal. It was so good. Um and then uh th- this new company that I started working for called Made Hot. We're 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 pretty much finishing up creating some some enough content to launch this platform madehot.com. Um anything from discussions about intimacy, sex, love, relationships, um um erotic poetry like you name it, we got it going on. And uh, it's really cool coaches from, from all over the world. I just did. um, We did some, some video kind of like content podcasts um, Mm -hmm. with my friend, Rena, who is a women's intimacy coach, Um, Sean, B, who's a life coach and meditation expert. Um, Aaron Kleinerman, who's a tantra sex work, sex Mm -hmm. coach. Mm -hmm. Um, Shout out to him. His book is launching on the 11th. it's called the embodied, the embodied man. Um, so it was really powerful having some some chats and and with him that was really special and and humbling um, for myself. Someone I look up to in the space and men's work. Um, so yeah, a lot of just amazing things. Going oh, yeah, on.
0: And a lot of people, well, a lot of ways to connect, right? And that's the thing for people, right? So people listening, if you if you're stuck, whether it is unshakable or every man or any of these things, or through Brandon and everybody else, there's. That's how you start. You break the cycle. You do something different. Mm. Right? Because I always I constantly say, if you want something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. Mm.
1: love that. Step into the discomfort. That's where the growth occurs. That's right. That's
0: right. That's right. <laughs> Brandon Gru, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and your wisdom and your kindness and your light.
1: Bye you, bye.